Greetings and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who thinks the handsome collection happens whenever he looks into two or more mirrors at the same time, Mr. Lord Baumgarten, Lauren! That is a true story, my friend, and it's not that I think that that's what the handsome collection is that, that is actually what, what the handsome collection the is the handsome collection is welcome back man a day late a dollar short i actually you know i'd love to know the i'd love to know the uh the origin of that phrase because as i just said it out loud i realized that i don't really understand what the dollar is that, short is, is that a jewish joke brent is that a jewish joke no you'll know when i tell a jewish joke <laughs> cuz it'll end with me screaming a Jew, or I, I, I don't know. Actually, I, I really don't know any good Jewish jokes. Probably You probably know more good Jewish jokes than I do. Oh, there's no question I do, but I can't tell them on the air because they are not appropriate for mixed company. No, no, they're not. So what is appropriate for mixed company, my man, is the garage. And we've got a, uh, a plethora, a veritable pinata of, uh, of trailers and news stories to go over. And I propose we kick off right now with some of the most exciting news in recent memory. And that is uh, your friend and mine, Ernest Klein, uh, author of the excellent Ready Player One. And uh, and hopefully soon soon to be a fucking film adaptation if everything stays on track. Hopefully, this time. yes. Uh, but we've got some news. Ernie's in the news this week. Uh, we found out that uh, he's made a uh, he's made a publishing deal, a seven book publishing deal with uh, what is it? One of Random House's subsidiaries, uh, Crown Publishing, yep. I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, in addition to that, uh, we know that the title of his next novel is going to be Armada. And that the vague description is a, quote, high-concept premise that caters to video game fans. End quote. Now, what we don't know is whether or not uh, this news ties in in any way to uh, the, uh, the news that Zach Penn, who is the screenwriter of the Ready Player One film adaptation, there's no uh, word on whether or not Zach Penn... Uh, and what he had to say this week, which was that Ernie was working on, wait for it, a second Ready Player One novel. We don't know if that and Armada are one and the same, or if we're talking about two separate books. We really don't know yet. But uh, anyway, just some some cool news from the world of Ernest Klein and Ready Player One uh, this week. Yeah, you had actually pointed out, Brent, the... Um the, the the Zach Penn news and I and I went to to find the article and put it on the docket and, and found this article and didn't actually realize that it was two separate articles that uh, yeah. Armada I thought the Armada article was a sort of a flushing out of what Zach Penn uh, wrote and and truthfully it may be it could be uh, yes it, it, it's very possible that that these are one and the same as you know this that the Zach Penn novel or the the novel Zach Penn was talking about is Armada we just there's not been confirmation of that yet, right? We don't we don't know exactly what's going on, but 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 Brent, the the, the real takeaway here and the good news for all of this is that uh, is that Ernie is is writing and and whether it's uh, a sequel to Ready Player One, which would be absolutely awesome, and I would I would not be at all surprised, uh, or yep. if it's uh, another book or both uh, would be fantastic. And I'm just I, I'm just so excited to yeah, absolutely. I'm just so excited to either way. To, uh, to, to I'm just so excited to see Ernie in the news and to hear that he's still writing, and I would anxiously, anxiously await his next project because Ready Player One, of course, was a fantastic book. It was, it was. The only here's here's my only problem. My only problem is if Armada is not a second Ready Player One novel, then how do you justify Will Wheaton doing the audiobook? Because Will Wheaton has to do the audiobook. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he can do it though. I mean, that's that's what he does. He can do it. He doesn't have to be uh, Parzival to be good. True enough. All right. So moving on, uh, and of course, this is the uh, this is the reference uh, to the uh, to Lauren at the top of the show. Uh, <laughs> Borderlands, the handsome collection, has been announced for PS4. And Xbox One, Lauren, would you uh, kindly run through those details? Yeah, I would be happy to. So this is um, a bit of a surprise to me, Brent. I don't know if this was a surprise to you. I mean, I'm not, I'm not shocked that this happened eventually. I just didn't know they were actually working on it. And for them to announce it, and it's coming out in just a couple months, uh, is fantastic news. It's Borderlands The Handsome Collection. 
excuse me, it is uh, for PS4 and Xbox One, and it is essentially it's it's a combination. Uh, and this is this is pretty incredible to me, actually. It's it's a combination of Borderlands Two and Borderlands the pre sequel, uh, both with all of the DLC that they have, which is a lot of DLC. Uh, yeah. It is fifty nine ninety nine uh, on both consoles. It's coming out on March twenty fourth. Um, so the one question mark here for me, Brent. Oh, and I'm sorry. It includes the addition of something that apparently has never been uh, available before, which uh, I was not aware of. But you can play four player local co op now uh, with the game. Yeah, you've always split screen, right? You've always been able to play four player co op online, which is the best way to play the game. I mean, I absolutely love the, the drop in drop out co op in this game. Um, and uh, but now you can play it locally, which is going to be very cool for people that like to play that way. Um, the the only question mark for me on this, Brent, if this is a this is a if you haven't played Borderlands two, it's an absolute no brainer. I have not played uh, Borderlands the pre sequel. I played the hell out of Borderlands two, and it's a fantastic game. Uh, the only question mark for me Agreed. here is going to be the quality of uh, the HD aspect of it, and not it, it, just to how how much work they've put into it. We've seen. Uh, of course, we've talked about on the show, Brent, the the differing levels uh, of uh, HD updates of games, HD remakes, right? Yeah, yeah, from Sleeping Dogs to GTA Five, and and uh, the difference there. In they are not all que- created equal. They are not, and, and it makes a big difference. Uh, I would be interested in playing Borderlands Two uh, if they did a lot of work on it. The level of GTA, I would play it again. Otherwise, I have no interest in playing it again. Probably, and I mean, I put a lot of hours into it, uh, and. Would only be buying the game for the pre-sequel, in which case I'm not sure if I'd want to pay 60 bucks for it because uh, I'm not all that interested in it. Now, yeah. I am interested in it, now, but I haven't been. One thing that one thing that is worth noting, and and I don't think that you said this. Correct me if, if are you going to talk about the special it, edition. No, no, no. I'll I'll leave that for you. Okay. But I was going to talk about uh, just very briefly that uh, they say that you will be able to transfer your saves from like you know PS3 to PS4. 360 to Xbox One, yep, etc. If if that matters to you, uh, just be aware that that is uh, that's that's part of uh, what you get if you uh, if you go for the handsome edition. Yeah, absolutely. Now, or collection, handsome collection. The one other thing, Brent, that I think bears mentioning, and, and is while it's out of my price range, was very very tempting. Uh, is there? They are releasing a special edition. Only five thousand five thousand of them are being made. That includes, uh, of course, the game and all of the content, as well as a remote controlled claptrap, a working remote controlled claptrap. Not just a working remote controlled claptrap, but a working remote controlled claptrap that has a uh, a webcam eye and oh, can yes. actually <laughs> spit one liners from the game. Yes, so but that you control using your smartphone. Right. So just, I mean, in the grand pantheon of of paying for really, really pricey uh, collector's editions, <laughs> presumably, you're actually getting, you know, you might actually be getting your money's worth on this. Well, we didn't, we didn't say what the price was yet, Brent. That's true. So how would you know? The, uh, but it, it's, it, it, I mean, go ahead and tell them. It's a lot. It's hefty. It, it is $399.99. It is $400. Uh, that's a that's an expensive robot. That is one expensive robot. But I have to be honest. For one second, and, and I was like, "Oh the- God, a remote controlled claptrap!" One of my favorite video game characters of all time. Well, and that's that's the that's the sticking point that I was going to bring up is the fact that considering how controversial claptrap is in the sense that some people really like claptrap and and find the humor and everything like really funny, and some people really hate claptrap. Uh, that you know, it's. I'm just saying that it was a bold choice to go with. Like, I I don't think there's any going to be any middle ground when it comes to this collector's edition. You you can love it, you can hate it, but there's no lukewarm on this. Yeah, he is one of my, my he is one of my favorite characters of all time. So it was it was all tempting. Right. The only the only thing that that might have been more tempting to me would be a remote control John Marston. Give it time, Bo. Give it. I mean, the Japanese robotics. I mean, it's going to be there soon. Could happen. All right. Uh, next up, Brent, we're we're talking about uh, the PlayStation exclusive te- live action television series uh, yeah. entitled Powers, which they announced. Uh, was it two E threes ago when they when they revealed all the details of the PS four that, that they announced Powers? Sounds, that sounds right. I think that, I think it, it is. It's been a couple years, and I think it was supposed to be out a little earlier. Maybe it was delayed. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it is premiering March 10th, and I'm actually somewhat intrigued by the way they're premiering it. Brent, they're doing uh, they're releasing three episodes simultaneously, 
those three episodes, the first three episodes, those first three episodes will be available to uh, any members of the PlayStation Network to watch. And then they will release a new episode every Tuesday after that uh, for PlayStation Plus members only. Correct. Uh, my question to you, Brent, is mm-hmm. uh, sort of how you feel about this thing in general. Are you interested in this? Are you excited about it? Do you think it is a value add for PlayStation? Where, where, are you, where do you stand right now on that, powers? That remains to be seen. Right. You know, it depends on... Depends on the quality of the show and and all that, but uh, I do I do think it's an intriguing idea. Certainly, it's you know we we've talked about um, you know Microsoft uh, you know was, was making plans, although given the the kind of shakeups and things that have happened since, I I don't know like where that where all that stands. But you know Microsoft was talking about doing original TV content, you know, as a value add for Xbox One and things like that. Um, it. It certainly seems like Sony is probably in a better position to leverage this kind of content as a value add for the PSN service, given the fact that they have a highly insecure film studio uh, under their umbrella. But um, I think that uh, I think that whether or not this really ends up becoming an incentive will largely depend on whether or not this you know this series turns out to be any good i'm i'm all about good adaptations of uh of comic book material and and powers is uh you know based on a a comic of the same name as a matter of fact uh they're also going to be giving away the first issue which you can get through local comic stores as well as comicsology.com um what's the date on that on, while i'm talking on the comic book itself yeah I yeah believe it's either this week or next week yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm almost thinking, I'm almost thinking it's like today or tomorrow. Yeah. So it might be by the time you listen to this show, it, it may have actually already happened. But in any case, uh, the point though is that um, I, I think that conceptually, there's a lot of good stuff happening here. But until we actually see the series, I won't be able to tell you if I won't really be able to answer that question. But my, I, I mean, I hope that it's good. I, I hope that you know it does well for them, and it'll be kind of interesting to see if. Uh, if gamers' future purchasing decisions, you know, vis-a-vis a, a Sony or Microsoft console, is influenced by, well, you know, there's this TV show that I really like, and I can only get it through PlayStation, so I guess I'm buying a, I guess I'm buying a PlayStation Four. I, I don't know, I don't know if it'll become that important uh, to future console buying decisions uh, for for gamers. So. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, guess- I don't know. I don't think at this point, Brent, that it that it will sway people to buy it. I think what it does right now, what it does, if it's a, if it's a quality production, uh, what I yeah. think it does right now is it's a value add for uh, Sony. You know, with, with the PlayStation Plus. I mean, the, the free games they give away. Uh, is something that really sort of made you feel like your money was a little bit more well spent and worthwhile uh, yeah. uh, than it. But of course, than, you know, Microsoft is beginning to absolutely you know, kind of offer their own. So uh, there's no question. But I'm saying it, it just adds to the value of what you're paying. And so right now, I think this one show isn't necessarily going to drive people to get a PlayStation or drive people to buy. Um, uh, to to buy PlayStation Plus, but if it works out for them and it's popular and and they're they're making you know a quality production in the vein of what their audience likes to watch, um, uh, you know you might see in the future two or three or four or five shows, and then you might actually you know y- you might see people more inclined to actually pay for the service because they're getting a few shows that they really enjoy. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited for yeah. it. I, I, I like the premise. I like what they're doing. It's, it's got a pedigreed um, production cap production uh, um, pr- production team. Thank you behind the show. And so I'm hopeful that it will be good. And if it's good, I'm certainly excited for the premise of what they're doing. So uh, I, I look forward to seeing, I mean, obviously I already pay for the service. And so it's one of those things that it's free. I don't have to, I don't have to yeah. do anything, but I'm looking very forward to on March 10th to checking out the first three episodes and see how the show does. I agree. Um, I was just sitting here, like you know, thinking, well, you know, how could Microsoft really answer this? And I mean, really, you know, why doesn't Microsoft just go to HBO and give them a bunch of money and say, hey, uh, how about uh, you make a deal with us where Xbox Live Gold members get to watch Game of Thrones? You know, why? You know, why does why does uh, why does it have to be original in-house content? Why can't they just go find content that gamers are already watching, already paying for through other avenues, and make that a make that a part of Xbox uh, Live Gold? Why can't Microsoft do something like that to answer this? Right, yeah, that's yeah. all I'm saying. 
No, that's a very reasonable. That's a very reasonable thought. So, staying in the Sony vein, Brent, uh, yes. and wrapping up our time hanging out here in the garage, uh, I could not help. So, as you know, Game Informer is doing month long coverage over Unchar- uh, on Uncharted Four: A Thief's End, which we all are assuming is going to come out this holiday. They've said it's going to come out this holiday, uh, and I would uh, assume they will stick to that. Hopefully, sometime in November, maybe a little earlier. Um, suit me fine. So uh, Game Informer is doing a lot of coverage, their month-long coverage on this game, and the, the video that I've included in the doc this week is the designing of the new gameplay of Uncharted 4. It's a five-minute interview talking with one of the design directors of the game. Uh, and I, I, I got I to I say, watching this, so I, I don't know if this had this impact on you, Brent, but he referenced uh, at one point in the video, he said, you know, just watching people take apart that 15-minute gameplay we showed, uh, talking about how they like Nate pulls the trigger each time and all that stuff caused me to go watch one of those uh, breakdowns. Yeah, of that fifteen minutes, and it was uh, it was amazing. Uh, sort of when you really watch the breakdown of all the areas in which they made improvement, and and I, you know, Brent. I mean, I just I, I, I try so hard. <coughs> Excuse me, I try so hard not to get overly hyped you know we've been doing this for a long time we play a lot of video games and i try not to get sucked in but part of the reason we have been doing this for so long is because i still do feel like a kid frequently when i get to play uh video games and i get so excited about them and this is one of those games brent that i just am so so excited for and it looks like they have improved on nearly every aspect of the game every single time i watch it yeah i i don't uh i i don't think that you're wrong it, it certainly feels like uh as opposed to just doing an hd you know version of uncharted on a new console it seems like they are continuing to push and to try to innovate and iterate on uh what is i mean probably their 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 most uh, successful certainly one of their most popular franchises and i i think that the the, the thing is as opposed to just kind of Forking in, okay, like as an example, like if they'd have gone like uh, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare and said, you know what the next Uncharted game needs? It needs uh, Titanfall's jetpacks. Nathan Drake gets a Titanfall jetpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it had been that, or if it had been like, okay, you know, now Nathan Drake needs parkour. Uh, like that's that's what this game really needs. As opposed to bringing in elements that are popular in other games and kind of forking those in, into Uncharted, which... I mean, frankly, you know, the longer a series goes on, you know, I think the more you kind of expect the well to run dry and things like that to happen. I really like the fact that they're bringing in, uh, they're bringing in gameplay elements that really make sense for Uncharted that seem to be uh, really at home in this genre mm-hmm. of adventure uh, storytelling and adventure gameplay things, you know, like the grappling hook and stuff like that. I mean, come on, like you know, what's a what's an Indiana Jones movie if he doesn't swing from the bullwhip at some point, right? Right. Um, so I, I feel like um, I feel like they've they've given me confidence right now, just in the the details that they have released, the the the, the game mechanics they have shown off. I'm like, yeah, all of that feels like it ought to be in an Uncharted game. You know, you look at that and say, oh, you know, how how has that not been there this whole time? Um, so I'm I'm very I'm very optimistic about that. But then the other thing that that does give me confidence in, in where they're going and, and where I do have to kind of rein in my excitement is what he was talking about towards the end of this interview where he was saying, and the thing is that you know people don't realize we're not showing off like our best level of the game here like he you know he describes this level as a real meat and potatoes part of the game this is you know just kind of the core gameplay aspects and what you know what they're inferring is that you're not seeing one of the best levels from this video game you're seeing you know maybe a throwaway part of this game and that the the set piece moments are going to be even more amazing than this and you know that's where I'm just like okay, this could be really good. This could be really good, uh, and you got to kind of you got to kind of hang on to it a little bit because you can lose your shit real easy that way. Yeah, so it my was, point is, well, I'm he, excited. As yeah, well. he point he point like you said, Brent. He pointed out that uh, that um, typically historically they have shown uh, these big set piece moments, and he, they show the in yeah. Uncharted three the part on the ship and all that, and that this is just a sort of regular part of the game. And I agree with you. I the, my immediate reaction to that was oh god, that was my reaction. 
I'm really glad I couldn't see you. <laughs> Welcome back to the clubhouse, guys. We're going to uh, kick off this week's topic. But uh, before we do that, uh, let's revisit uh, the poll results uh, from last week's uh, show, which, of course, we were running down some of the uh, some of the more game centric bits of news coming out of CES 2015. Lauren. Tell us about the poll results. Yeah, so the question that Brent posed to all of the outlaws to answer uh, this last week was, which of Brent and Lauren's CES 2015 picks were you most excited by? And Brent gave you four choices, including Samsung Milk VR, uh, which which I would like to point out with great delight was last. Un- unsurprisingly, in came in last. Place. That's yes. right. Uh, so uh, running down uh, the way the answers shook out this week, uh, we will go from last to first as we usually do. And coming in in fourth place with 6% was Samsung Milk VR, as we mentioned. Coming in with 15%. In third place was the Razer OS VR, uh, which is Razer's uh, dev kit VR. Open source. Yeah, open source yeah. headset. Uh, it's with 20% Razer Forge TV. And coming in in first place was the NVIDIA Tegra X1, uh, which looks to be bringing just more uh, sheer power to the masses. Which we're all about. We'll take, we'll take all the, the fucking gaming horsepower we can get. Uh, that's right. We will take all the gaming horsepower we can get. So uh, that's how it shook out last week, Brent. A lot of stuff came out of CES 2013. We are uh, rounding that sort of beginning of the first year corner and moving into uh, GDC and uh, ultimately into um, E3 coming up here in not too long. And so I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot more about more stuff that's coming out this year. Uh, I'm not kidding. And in that vein, Brent, uh, that can kind of lead us into our topic this week, week, which is about uh, games coming out this year. Why don't you set us up, Brent, with uh, this disturbing, disturbing topic? (laughs) Well, in the... uh in, in the shenanigans yet again section of the show, <laughs> we're going to talk about... Uh, we seem to, we're we seem to keep about, coming back to this. You know, it's, it's interesting the way that it just keeps happening, isn't it? Yes. Uh, uh, as many of you are aware, uh, Sony Online Entertainment has dropped uh, an early access... I don't know if they're calling it... I don't think it's an, a beta. I think this is actually still considered an alpha because I think the beta, the beta is going to be public. Well, yeah, but it's, anyway, it's, it's early access, which is not. They have early access, uh, a paid early access for the upcoming zombie MMO H1Z1. And after, after months of talking about the business model for the game, the fact that the full version of the game, although the, the, the paid early access version is, uh, as, we, as we indicated from the fact that it's a paid early access, it's paid. You pay to play the early access version of this game. For a free-to-play game. The final version is going to be free, which, like, right off the bat, seems a little incongruent to me. But, um, you know, that's fine. It, it, you know, people can spend their money on whatever they want. But aside from that, for now, uh, Sony Online Entertainment President John Smedley has... Uh, has Smedley. Has kind of the, Even his name the, the sounds dubious. Even his name sounds like he should be a villain on uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, Smedley has been the face of the game. He's been uh, pushing it, and throughout the uh, throughout the kind of the back and forth of the community, uh, there's a, a subthread on Reddit that uh, that is particularly emblematic of this. Smedley has pledged that this game would be free to play. It would be uh, financed by microtransactions, but it would not be pay to win. And on said Reddit sub-thread, Smedley outlined where they thought they were going to make money on the game. And he goes into things like clothing, items that you can, uh, that you can buy that, that, that will not be lootable. Well, he didn't say they won't be lootable, they just, but only that they can't be taken away from you. Like if you get killed by another player, you'll still have you know, that black ski mask that you paid real money for, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you, you know customizations, crafting recipes for clothing, things like that. But basically, character appearance customizations uh, were, were the main things that he was talking about. And he was very specific, more than one time, that you were not going to be able to pay for weapons or for ammo crates or you know, anything like that, that would, or, or buffs, anything that would advance your, uh, your ability to, uh, to get ahead in the game through uh through microtransactions. So then 
the uh, the paid alpha comes out, and lo and behold, what do they have? They have microtransactions for airdrop crates, which have what do you know, weapons and ammo in them. The uh, the, the exact thing that they said they weren't going to do, they did. And so, basically, a, a couple of things have happened since then. Number one, uh, Sony Online Entertainment has started offering refunds for uh, for anybody who who has a problem with you know with the microtransaction airdrop situation. Mm-hmm. They've, they've offered no questions asked, full refunds, which is certainly the right thing to do. But uh, what they haven't really done is given much of an explanation on what changed other than we changed our minds. It's like, okay, so you promised multiple times that this wasn't going to, ca- that, you know, that this was, you weren't going to do this, but then you changed your mind. So I'm glad I'm glad that we found out you know just how much a promise from Sony Online Entertainment means, uh, which is to say, dick. But all that aside, the title of the article that we're pulling from to uh, put in the show notes today is from Forbes. It's written by Eric Kane, and it says uh, Sony's no questions asked H1Z1 refunds don't go far enough, and I think that is an excellent jumping off point. Uh, for this conversation, because um, I agree with him, and and Lauren, I'd like to turn it over to you and find out uh, find out if you do as well. What do you think about the controversy and about Sony's response? Well, so uh, I don't even know where to begin with this, Brent. I mean, so you so you um, so you mentioned <laughs> Just grab a fork and dive in, Jesus. Buddy. So you, you one thing you didn't mention specifically is you talked about how they they um, they didn't really offer up an explanation as to why they changed their mind. They, they acknowledged that they changed their mind and they said that they understand why people would be upset by that. They didn't explain why they changed their mind, but they did. Yeah, you think they did offer this, which is another just weird, weird twist to this is they said, well, we understand that we said it wasn't going to be pay to win. And we said that you couldn't buy with real money guns and survive food and things that would make you help you survive or, uh, but in order to combat that, since we changed our mind, uh, what we've done is uh, we've <laughs> the, the, the the airdrops, which again you pay for with real money, are highly contestable, is what they said. Right. So, like, you can pay real money for your airdrop, but it could be so hard to get to because it's going to draw other players and zombies that you could pay for an airdrop and you might not get a damn thing out of it. Right. Somebody might actually kill you. And that's supposed you. to make it better. Right. And I, I just don't understand that because, my, of course, my, my immediate reaction to that is I would be... Just absolutely I'd be furious. Furious if I paid real money four ninety nine for an airdrop and someone shot me and took my airdrop before I ever got to it. And then somebody, you know, the, the author of this article points out, or of one of the articles linked in this article, points out that that so what you have is once somebody gets a weapon and then other people are now calling in airdrops to try and get weapons. The people with the weapons are going... So what happens is the airdrops come in, but it lights up the landing area so people all around you can see that yeah. there's an incoming airdrop. Well, the people that have all the gear are going to come and that have, you know, if, if you've spawned with just an axe, you decide to spend money to try and, and um, uh, you, you know, get yourself a weapon or whatever you can get. Uh, you order in this airdrop and guys with guns and, and body armor are going to come and shoot you and take your airdrop and have what you have. And it's going to be this like this, this cycle. Right, and it's just like nothing you about think this. People are asking for refunds now. Just wait until that. Fucking yeah, happens. nothing about this makes sense to me, Brent. And I don't understand. Like, I understand that uh, they need to come up with a business model whereby they can make money. But I feel like they I've didn't really think it through. Model. How about you sell me a game and I play I pay it. you for the game, <laughs> and then I play your game? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, 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 I am. Uh, I'm baffled all the way around, and they have gotten. Uh, a little bit defensive about it, which is understandable. I'm sure the vitriol they received was 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 substantial, substantial, and and substantially probably um, uh, not equivalent to uh, to. to uh, let's say it wasn't all that constructive. That's a guess. I mean, cases. I haven't I haven't gone in the forums and read all this stuff, but that 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 would be my guess. But. Um, so, so I can understand that, but at the same time, they fundamentally like the whole, like you said, they're they people are paying for early access despite the fact that the final product will be a free to play game. 
what they're, I'm sure, I, I would assume what they're getting for their money is airdrops, right? Because I'm assuming that when you give money to them, airdrops is what you will get. But the airdrops is a complete turnaround, and how they work makes no sort of intuitive common sense whatsoever. Uh, and and it, just, it just feels so poorly, poorly thought out, in my opinion, uh, that I'm shocked. I'm, I'm absolutely shocked. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, Brent, it's, it's, I feel like our industry is, is floundering to figure out how to do business, and I'm, and I'm frankly not 100 percent sure why. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I, I do work for a developer. I am on a development team. Uh, we have, uh, we're doing something that most companies don't do right now, and that we we sold the game. We are supporting and putting out major updates for months and months on end, and then we will put out another update at some point that we will charge a nominal fee for, like a 9.99, and that's not an official announcement. It's just a guess, um, and uh, uh, it'll be the kind of thing where if that's something you want in the game, you can buy it, and if you don't. You, you can just buy the have the regular game or whatever and right. and but we're still giving support uh you can know you, can, can i pay can i pay your company a, a a nominal fee to make uh to make the the holes that you shoot the golf balls in the size of a lake can i do that <laughs> you cannot do that no sir. it makes no sense to me I, I mean like and you know me like i'm not like I, i'm not you know like oh fuck microtransactions or fuck free to play I, I i'm really i'm open to it if, if if there's a good if there's a good fit for it with a game i'm totally fine with it i you know, the, the fucking star wars commander the game i talk about every fucking week you know is microtransaction free to play and uh, i got no issue with that I, I i'm not against this business model but i mean this this implementation, this strategy is so profoundly, catastrophically, galactically stupid that I, I struggle to understand how a, how a company that has, has done okay in the games industry uh, decided decided to roll with it. I, I really find it inexplicable. Well, like I said, Brent, I think it's, it's sort of part and parcel of the fact that I think the whole industry is... is floundering and trying what I think is just super, super consumer-averse practices. We saw this uh, also this week. Came uh, There's a great video that one of our, our listeners posted called from the Jimquisition, Jim Sterling, uh, in yep. which it's like a nine-minute video titled How Evolve Fell Down the Bullshit Tree. Um, yeah. And it basically talks about, you know, Evolve released their beta this week. Um, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about that when we get uh, when we when we hit the road because I did play it a little bit. Um, but but essentially, that guy made a comment at some point, like the the DLC and pre order shit around that game is is more extreme than almost any game I've ever seen, and and that guy, uh, sorry, that guy, one one of the guys from Turtle Rock uh, commented about essentially how I, I actually think he used the phrase uh, Evolve is a game that has been designed designed to support DLC better than any other game in previously released, thinking that what he was saying was was something that gamers would like to hear. That's right. I, I, mean, and I feel like at this, this point, school has been designed to make it easier for mass shooters to get in and kill as many students and teachers as possible before they commit suicide themselves. It's like, what? I just don't like, I, I think they think. And that, yes, I just compared DLC to a school shooting. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, I, I don't know. If, uh, that might be a little extreme. That might be the kind of feedback that. Uh, oh, come on. Like that this H1, is not a show that. Pedals in hyperbole like that? that no, not at all. Uh, yeah, anyway. I, I really think that they've lost touch with the gamers so much, Brent, that, that, that they actually think that this is something a gamer wants to hear. And I, I think they think it because they make money on DLC. They, they think that it's something that gamers want. And, and I really think that they have lost touch with, with what gamers want. I, I think that they, the, the I, difference between what gamers want and what gamers will pay for is two different things. And they're now starting to speak in... In, in marketing terms, like this game is designed to support DLC better than any other game. So great, I can buy five more hunter classes and six more uh, uh, behemoths. And if I don't, I feel like I'm missing content. And I mean, it, it's just, it, it's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. And, and uh, well, go, yeah, it go is. It is. And, and I tell you, you know, one thing that uh, I, I want to say, I really think that Jim Sterling. Uh, made a good point on this, you know, in the Jimquisition video that we're linking to. Uh, I think he, he makes a great parallel comparison with basically everything else that's going on in entertainment right now, and the fact that everything else is moving to a more simplified 
business model, a business model based around convenience. He talks about the fact, which I bemoan, I'm not really happy about, the fact that, you know, that people aren't buying Blu-rays with, you know, really in-depth special features and director's commentary and deleted scenes. I, you know, I love that stuff. I, I eat that up. And people aren't really going for it. What they're doing is they're, you know, getting out their smartphone or they're getting on their computer and they're clicking the, they're clicking the buy button and then downloading it or streaming it. Why? Because it's convenient. It's easy. As, as he puts it, you press the button, you get the thing. So much else about uh, entertainment uh, and or entertainment media is moving in that direction, and gaming is complicating the transaction with pre-order DLC, with you know, content exclusives at different retailers, uh, content exclusives on different platforms, and on and on and on. Everybody else is going more convenient and reaping the rewards of it, and gaming is going more complicated and and pissing off their, their market. Yeah, I, I, I truly don't get it, Brent. And at some point, I mean, I guess... You know, I mean, at some point, uh, we go back to this speaking with your wallet sort of thing. But it, 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 again, it just goes back to that idea that I, I think that the publishers and, and publishers and, and potentially developers are losing touch uh, with with their audience, and and it's Which unfortunate. There's no excuse for. There's no excuse for in an era when you can literally talk directly with the people who are buying your product, playing your game. There's no excuse to be losing touch with your fan base. The only reason. That it can happen is if you choose for it to happen by not listening to them or by, like Sony, making decisions that they have specifically told you they don't want you to. Uh, again, I, I, I'm I'm just baffled by this, and, and I'm curious to know uh, I'm curious to know if any of our listeners participate in the H1Z1. Uh, you, you know, I guess I didn't ask you this, Brent, but I'm assuming you did not. I did not, but I really, I really had to think about it because I really like H one Z one. I mean, I really like. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm a little, I'm a little confused. I'm a little confused as to why that what this game offers that Daisy doesn't. I think that I, I well, okay. I I feel like it'll be a really, really Daisy like experience, but uh, you know, maybe one that's actually going to be finished and complete and polished. Uh, you know, this year, as an example, right? Yeah. Where I, you know, whereas the actual, you know, Daisy standalone game, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. No, I was just curious because it just as as I was watching, this has nothing to do with the, obviously the conversation we were having, but as I was watching it, it, it just, um, it, it just looks so much like a copy of of uh, Daisy. Oh but, no, I mean, it looks it looks exactly fucking like Daisy, but, which is uh, why I'd like it to you know to be a good game. But sure, of course. Um, no, um, yeah, no. So I'm curious to know if any of our listeners have participated in the early access for H1Z1, and if you did, what your experience what is, you and a firsthand account of of the airdrops and that sort of thing, or um, if people, you know, how you feel about you know evolves DLC and the game being built for DLC, and and obviously you know in general what you guys think about sort of the the direction that that games have been heading for a long time and don't seem to be slowing going uh slowing down and going that direction with season passes and dlc and microtransactions and that sort of thing um again want to want to hear what your guys opinions are of this uh I, I should probably not taint it by saying this but disturbing trend you just you just tainted it you just wanted to say you, taint again you tainted all over it <laughs> i have this disturbing image of you trying to like get your hand up under never mind jesus stop saying the word taint welcome back we're hitting the road and uh, we're going to run through the games that we've been playing this week we're going to start off with lauren who is still plowing through dragon age inquisition yeah well uh to be fair i I was out of town last week and so i i uh, for, so I didn't get much playtime, but th- this is going to be a long-running thing, I believe. I know many, many people who finish the yeah, game I, somewhere around. I anticipate you'll have some time invested. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people I know finish the game you know, around 70 to 100 hours. But um, right. uh, I did play it. I came back from my vacation in beautiful Rio de Janeiro, which is one of the Ooh. most amazing cities in the world. If you ever uh, get a chance to go there, I highly, highly recommend it. Yep. Um, uh 
I did come back, and one of the first things I wanted to do was play Dragon Age or, uh, Inquisition, and I did uh, for about an hour and a half when I got home. And I just, I just continue to have fun, Brand. I just continue to get sucked in, and very much along the lines of Red Dead Redemption, I find myself gathering flora and fauna for thirty minutes and totally loving it, and then going on a, a story mission and loving it, and then doing a side mission where I'm making sure I get all the camps set up in a certain area, and uh, uh, it just is really flowing nicely. Uh, the, the pacing. It's flowing nicely between the different aspects of the game, and I feel like it's naturally taking me from uh, exploration to combat to side missions to story. I mean, it just kind of seems to be happening um, very elegantly, and uh, the acting is good, and the story is good, and so uh, so I just I continue to enjoy it, and I'm sure you will continue to hear about it uh, for many weeks to come. That's just me. I, I was actually uh, I was emailing with my. Uh my friend Tabitha, she's she's a big Dragon Age fan. She was really looking forward to Inquisition, and she was kind of, uh, I, I was just kind of sharing, you know, some of the things that you were saying on the show, and and you know, she was kind of like, yeah, I kind of agree with that. You know, that wasn't exactly my experience, but uh, it, it, it's been interesting to it's been interesting to see uh, actually how well uh, the game seems to be doing. I mean, uh, more often than not, all the all the things that I I read about it have been very very good. Yeah, I'm absolutely enjoying it, man. So what about Evolve? I see that that's in here. Have you been checking out the beta? Yeah, so I finally, you know, I, I was invited to the Alpha on two platforms, and I didn't actually participate in it. And so, again, I got the invitation for this beta this weekend, and when I got back from Rio, I, I immediately downloaded it and started playing it. And i got to be honest, man, uh, I, I played it for about 25 minutes, and I deleted it. Um, really? Yeah, I just it, it just wasn't uh, it just wasn't that fun to me uh i i don't know i mean i i I walked through the i walked through the the tutorials and um it it, i i i I don't know it just it wasn't doing it for me i i i I didn't find the gameplay on either side compelling i never played it multiplayer which is of course the entire game is designed to be played that way Um, oh yeah but i do understand i've done i've done some reading where uh, i've read that if you're playing with people that don't really understand the nature of the teamwork in it it can be very very frustrating Mm -hmm. um but i don't know after about a half hour maybe 45 minutes i just felt like i I just felt like there wasn't anything there for me and subsequently i saw all the information about the dlc which i didn't know at the point when i played it uh, and it made it just even that much less interesting to me. And I, I, I'm not sure at this point, Brent, what would possibly... I think the only thing that would convince me to pick this game up is if the group of guys that I was gaming with online, uh, who I haven't been since I've been in Brazil, but um, if they were to pick it up and uh, like were just completely into it uh, and, and, and like tried to convince me to buy it, I think that might get me to buy it but otherwise i don't see anything that would convince me to buy this game i you know i mean i have uh i have tons of other games titanfall uh is a brilliant multiplayer game that i could still play for another tons of hours um uh i i just don't see what 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 would get me to buy this game at this point i just i really didn't enjoy it (laughs) that's that's a pretty uh, frank evaluation of it. I, I, yeah, I mean, I it's, really, it's just the truth. I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I was I, not I, expecting it to go that way. I, I guess I was. I, I, it, I, despite all the kind of the, the the DLC shenanigans and everything, at the core, I always thought like the the core gameplay uh, seemed really solid and and cool. Uh, I, yeah, it just. I, I don't know. There was just something about it that just didn't. Eh. I don't know, man. There was something about it that just didn't sit right with me. And, and uh, you know, they, they say you only get one chance at a first impression. And I, there's just there's too much other stuff out there right now. If there was nothing else, I might have invested more time. But mm-hmm. I, I got I got five, like, just amazing games on my PS4 right now to play. And so, uh, I, you know, I gave it 45 minutes or so, and, and it wasn't there for me. And that's that's about it. I mean, that's and really that's all I have to it. say on it. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Well, uh, for my own part, I don't have I don't have a lot of of new stuff. My uh, my my baby girl Zeely is turning one year old. As a matter of fact, today. Oh, happy birthday, Zeely! And as you can probably imagine, you know we're doing a you know big first birthday party, friends, family coming over, that kind of thing. Sure. And consequently, we've been uh, we've been working all week trying to you know get the house cleaned up and kind of you know make preparations and. All of the stuff that you know is you know going going into this party, so uh, it's not left me a ton of time for gaming. 
I did uh, I did invest a little bit of time in Star Wars Commander because they ran another one of their uh, one of their uh, PvP uh, tournaments uh, this past week, which was cool because uh, as as I talked about in the past, like you know the way they're doing these tournaments and stuff now is you get you know you'll get like uh, you know event points that you can spend on vehicle upgrades, but um, the the specific vehicle that I was looking to upgrade has not been part of the last two. Uh, rewards uh, tiers that they've mm-hmm. done in, in these uh, these tournaments, and the specific vehicle that I wanted to upgrade was finally uh, back in the rotation. So I, I made sure and uh, I made sure and clock some time so I could upgrade uh, upgrade that, bump it up to level six. Um, other than that, though, the tournament was yeah, it was pretty straightforward. I, I really got in on it that like the first day I was playing like three times an hour. I mean, I was just like I, I was just hammering it. And I managed to get myself into the top zero point eight percent that that first day, but uh, I wasn't able to maintain that because I just I, I just couldn't you know play that often you know over the entire four day period, and so I, I slowly dropped back to uh, to three percent, which uh, which I I was I was kind of like I'd kind of said to myself like you know it'd be really cool to finish in the top tier which is the top two percent. Uh, it'd be really cool to get there, but I, I just I could not. I just <laughs> I just could I just did not have enough time to play it. You know, I, I could not sit there and maintain that pace, so it didn't All happen. Right. Um, the other thing that I did uh, again, talking about my uh, my friend Tabitha, uh, I was telling her about this war of mine, and she had been saying, "Oh yeah, I, I, I've been hearing really good things about it." I'm like, "Man, I'm you know, it's it's really really good. I really really think you should check it out. It's." It's fantastic. It's coming to iOS. It's going to be amazing, you know, when this thing comes out on uh, on phone and tablet. And uh, just all the kind of talking about it made me want to come back to it. So I went back and, and I, I picked up the game that I had been playing. And I had forgotten that the last thing that had happened is uh, one of my... One of the three guys that I'd started the game with. You know, And I'd picked up a couple of other, you know, characters, you know, people that that had asked to, you know, to come and live at the house and, and that I had allowed to come in. So uh, I, I had, uh, I had a little bit bigger roster than the three I'd started with, but one of the, one of the original three guys uh, who was living in the house died uh, during a, during a raid, you know, like somebody, somebody broke in in the middle of the night and uh, tried to take stuff. And, and this, this guy died in the, uh, in in the course of that happening. Mm-hmm. And, I had stopped playing the game right after that. So I came back to it and I was like, oh, this fucking blows. I forgot all about this. So I just went ahead and restarted and just uh, just started up a new game. And um, man, I can't thank you enough for, for, for really for introducing me uh, to it, but also you just really, uh, really going out of your way to, to try to get me to play it because I, I'm, I'm telling you what, man, it's it's been... <laughs> It's just it's been one of the most simultaneously profound and fun game experiences that I've had. I mean, there, there's a lot of games that I've played that are very profound, but that I wouldn't necessarily want to play again. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like like To the Moon would be a good example. To the Moon was a really really profound game experience, but the the gameplay itself was not compelling enough that I think about going back and playing it. You know, and this is one of those games that the gameplay itself is is so enjoyable that it brings me back to it, uh, despite the fact that the subject matter is quite somber. And uh, but it's just it's just a really really fantastic uh, fantastic game. And I, I predict that when this thing comes out on uh, mobile platforms, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's pretty much going to be the game to beat as far as you know, best mobile title of the year contender. I can't think of anything else that would, that that would even be able to touch, uh, this, this war of mine. It's really a great game. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a truly, truly incredible game and, and on, on so many levels. And, uh, I'm, I'm just so thrilled that, you know, I forgot, I haven't played that game in a while and I'm so, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that, uh, you're still playing and I, I would love to still be playing it myself. Yep. It's worth going back to, uh, <laughs> This, so anyway. it, I mean, this this goes back to that. The, the, this goes back to what I said about there just being so much out there right now that I think, uh, uh, I, I think if a game doesn't strike me, it's there's just not going to be time for it. So, um, one of the other things, Brent, that I to, one of the two there's two PS4 uh, um, 
PS Plus free games this month. One of them is The Swapper, which I didn't play, but I've played before and is a fantastic, fantastic game. Uh, if 2, 2D sort of uh, 2D side scrolling platformer, basically, um, uh, with a really interesting mechanic. And so I highly recommend people download that if you haven't played it. But what I did download and started playing, and I gave, put about 30 or 40 minutes into this, uh, was the uh, expansion slash DLC for Infamous First Light, which is a standalone expansion to Infamous Second Son uh, that focuses on Fetch, one of the characters from the original game whose power is the neon power in the game. Um, and I've only played, like I said, about 30 or 40 minutes, but I gotta say, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and it was really nice. Uh, Infamous was the first game I played on the PS4, the Infamous Second Son, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a good game. I played it to its, uh, to completion. Um, but I wasn't blown away by it. Um, I am, it, it's nice, however, uh, to return to that world, and after having played other games on the PS4, uh, to come back uh, into this game, and it looks so, so good, uh, and plays really well, and I'm very, I'm very pleased I've had an opportunity. This is a, a another example of, a, of an excellent opportunity to try something that I probably wasn't ready to pull the trigger on purchasing, uh, but it became one of the PS Plus games for the month, and uh, I'm really, really enjoying it so far. So like I said, only, only about 40 minutes into it. I have no idea how long it is. It might be two hours. It might be eight hours. I don't have a clue, um, but uh, so far I'm enjoying it. You know, uh, one, of the other, uh, one of the other PSN uh, Plus games that's free... Uh, is uh, is Ducktales remastered on PlayStation Three, which uh, I, okay. I bought, but I, I haven't I haven't had a chance to play it. But uh, if if you played the original Ducktales on the NES, and it was an amazing amazing game on the NES, uh, I, I have been very excited about playing Ducktales remastered. I just haven't done it yet. Um, but it's free if you got PSN. So this is your this is not a joke, right? No, I, I am absolutely serious. You never you, I guess you never played the original Ducktales, did you? I did not. It's a good game. It was it was one of it was one of the most uh, fun uh, platformers of that era. It was a really really well regarded uh, uh, platformer back for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh well, there you go. All right, um, and with that, Brent, I believe we've reached the end of the episode. With the, we, we're going to wrap it up with Ducktales, uh, which Listen, I you, you're you're laughing like like that's funny, but it, <laughs> I'm not. telling you that's that's legit. That game. Is legit. I believe you. And, and the I have outlaws a feeling, will back me up on this. I, I have a feeling we're going to get. I was going to say some outlaws to back you up. So, uh, with that, Brett, we are going to reach into the show as usual. This is, you, as you know, the part of the show where we turn it over to our audience to tell us what they think about everything we've talked about on the episode this week. Whether it's Infamous First Light, Ducktales, uh, the Swapper, <laughs> uh, this War of Mine, Star Wars Commander, Evolved, Dragon Age Inquisition. You know what? Fuck you, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> up in the uh, up in the clubhouse, we talked about the state of the industry relative to DLC pre-orders and a little bit of flip-flopping from Sony on H1Z1 and uh, as well as Jim uh, Sterling's video on Evolve. Uh, And then when we were hanging out in the garage, Brent, we talked about a few pieces of news and a few trailers. We talked about designing the new gameplay of Uncharted 4, uh, the premiere of the Powers series on PlayStation Network, uh, Borderlands The Handsome Collection coming out in March, Ernie Klein's uh, second Ready Player One novel and Armada, or Armada and or maybe the same thing we don't know but the fact that Ernie Klein is back in the news and, and looks to be writing some uh, some more content is always a good thing so let us know what you think about those subjects or anything else that's related to the world of gaming we always want to know what you guys think as we are here for you uh, not for ourselves just kidding Brent likes to hear himself talk uh it's true. I, I won't deny it. The, uh, let us know what your thoughts are on this, our third episode of Outlaw Gamer Radio. As usual, he is Brent Adams. I am Lauren Baumgarten. And remember, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing.